How many of you have ever received a present that just wasn't quite right? You know, it wasn't the right size, it wasn't the right color, it wasn't the right style, it wasn't the right fit, sort of things like that. Maybe even you've given a present that wasn't quite the right size, it wasn't quite the right color, not quite the right fit, whatever it might be. Now we have ways of taking care of that in, um, in our society today. One is called gift cards. Gift cards are always the perfect gift. That's, uh, that's one way to do it. The other way that we have, uh, worked to fix this is called gift receipts. And then the less than perfect present can be turned into the perfect present again. Well, when we give ourselves to God, we are certainly less than a perfect gift. But one of the roles that God has is to make us into one. Over in Malachi chapter 3, there is a prophecy about the Messiah. Malachi chapter 3 sometimes gets more attention in the latter part of the chapter, but the first part is, is pretty good too. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. The messenger, of course, we all know, is John the Baptist. Jesus speaks of John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 7. I'm sorry, Matthew 11, verse 7. And they departed, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothes are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he... Whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not been not one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John the Baptist was to prepare the way for the Messiah. John's baptism was a, was a baptism of repentance. In Luke chapter 3, verse 3, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all, the, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. What was imperfect is going to be taken into a way of perfection. I'm making it straight. Acts chapter 19, verse 4. Paul said, And John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Before the work of Jesus came a baptism of repentance. There was a repenting to God. Once the messenger had gone forth with that, with that message, Jesus took over his ministry and the rest of the prophecy talks, tells us about that. So he says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Most things in the Word of God that happen suddenly are not necessarily pleasant. <laughs> but he will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now it says there that they delight in the coming of Messiah. I don't think they quite know who he is yet. Because he's going on and talking about things that are not necessarily all that delightful. 
But it says they delight in, in Him, in His coming. Sometimes we have delighted in the coming of things that once they got here, we were a little disappointed. It wasn't quite what we expected, quite what we wanted. But this is an announcement of His coming in this prophecy. And this is written at least 450 years before He comes. So look at His, look at his wording here. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, He is coming. Now, if you tried to pull that, I'm coming and I'll be there in 450 years, that probably wouldn't work out so well. But with God, it's, uh, it's no big deal. He goes on, verse 2, But who can endure the day of His coming? Hmm. I thought we were excited about this. But who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. Now, anybody know what a refiner's fire is? Well, for one thing, it's hot. And when you put stuff into it, it gets hot. And it melts it. The refiner's fire, in, uh, in these days, is speaking about gold and silver. And they would actually looked up the process of all this, and I don't know who in the world figured this out. I'm thinking they must have had divine revelation as to how to get ore into gold. And I think it took, uh, I forget because I didn't write this down, I think it took 15,000 pounds of gold ore to make one troy ounce of gold. That's not real good numbers. But people have been doing it for thousands of years and it has always been valuable. And so you take this, and the the whole process is, is really interesting, the way they take the ore and they crush it up and then they uh, treat it different ways and gets to the refiner's fire and they take the gold and they, they're trying to get all the other metals out because apparently there's a lot of other metals in with the gold. And then there's imperfections. But you're trying to get pure gold out of it. And so when you bring it to the refiner, the, the gold goes in, but they don't just add the gold. They also add some other metals and some other detergents, chemicals. And they put these all in there for the purpose of extracting everything that is not gold and pulling it out of the gold. The gold by itself will never become gold. It needs help. Every time the, ref- the, the, the refiner comes upon gold, it's never perfect. He doesn't expect it to be perfect. He expects to take imperfect gold and make it into perfect gold. That's the job of the refiner. Now, we don't think about that so much anymore because uh, it's all done in factories and we probably don't even know anybody who's processed gold. But it doesn't stop us from going to the store and buying it. We like to buy gold. We like the gold rings. And when they go through this refining process, they uh, how many know the different colors of gold that are out there? Well, they add things to it. You see, pure gold by itself is no good for your for your jewelry. It's too soft. So they have to add things to it. If you want white gold, they add things like silver, nickel. And this will give them white gold. If you want rose gold, how many like that, that rose gold that's out there? That's some, uh, that's some pretty, pretty nice stuff. Well, you add copper. The more copper you add, the more rosy it looks. 
I've never seen this, but apparently you can get a blue gold. Anybody ever heard of a blue gold? Maybe it's just not as popular, but there's a blue gold. And you add iron to get that. They generally add other metals to the gold if they're going to make it into jewelry so that it holds up. But when you have those gold bars, that's pure gold. And generally it's 99.95% pure, maybe even more than that. Depending upon what country you go to, some uh, it, it depends on on how uh, how many carrots. Have you ever heard gold with carrots? Yeah, twenty-four karat gold. That's pure gold. You won't find too much with twenty-four karat gold. And carrots, uh, it's not like it is with diamonds. Carrots with gold. That speaks of the percentage of pure gold that's in there. I'm told over in, in um, uh, if you go to India, the people in India like. Gold that is 20, 22 carats. If you go over to a place like Europe, they like their gold 18. If you come over to America, the most popular gold in America is 14 carat. It's funny how that works with, with different countries, but different countries like a different, uh, different purities for whatever the, the reason it might be. But if you're the refiner, you are Getting this gold, first off, you get the gold pure. You get it totally pure. And then from there, you'll add things to it to make it exactly what you want. But the goal of the refiner is to make that gold gold, completely pure. And what this is saying is that Jesus Christ, one of his roles here on earth, is to be the refiner. Now that gold may not be all that excited when it shows up at the refiner. It may know it has to go through quite a process in order to get to a place where it's usable. But once it gets through that, it will become a very desired product and a very valuable one. But if it does not go through the process with the refiner, it is neither desired nor is it valuable. In verse 3, it says, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier, purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. See, we're not just talking gold anymore. Now we're talking people. We're going to take the priests that are out there and we're going to make them pure and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. The purpose of this refiner is to make the servants of God to be able to bring pure offerings. Specifically speaking of the sons of Levi here, which were the priests, which in the New Testament, that's all of us. We're all priests. Verse 4, it says, Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. All the things that they had gone through, all the impurities that they had brought into their nation, all the things that had settled upon them, the idol worship, the sins, the refiner was going to purge all of that out of them. Well, as we know, we are not a perfect gift. Each and every one of us has our imperfections. It has been the goal of the enemy to try and tell us that our imperfections are going to cause God to reject us. God doesn't like you because you have this going on in your life. God doesn't like you because you have done, you have thought, you have become, whatever it might be. 
And he's always trying to bring things up to us that accuse us to make us think that God wants to reject us. But don't forget, here at Christmas time, this is one of the prophecies of the Messiah. That he is a refiner. He expects to take imperfect people and make them into perfection. He's good at it. He knows exactly what kind of heat to bring in. He knows exactly what kind of detergents are needed. He knows just what to add to get all the imperfections in our life out. And when we are done, we will be pure. He's the best refiner there is. All we have to do is submit to Him. See, the enemy wants to get you to reject the work of the Messiah as the perfecter. He wants you to reject it. He wants you to see yourself as imperfect and God can't do anything with you. You're no good. God doesn't want you. And we all know, all right, I came to God, I wasn't perfect, but by now he certainly expects some kind of perfection. But as a refiner, it's a process. It doesn't just happen in a day. And he knows it won't happen in a day. But they know the end result is worth the effort. God is not tired of the effort that's involved in turning you into pure gold. Don't tire of his efforts upon us. Just know whatever he adds in, this is, this is here to help us. We have to accept the role of the Messiah in our life as the refiner. He is here to bring about perfection. If I resist it, if I don't go into the heat, if I don't accept the detergents that are put in, if I don't accept all those things that are there to, to make me better, more pure, he still doesn't reject you. He stills out there and he still, come on, accept this. This is going to help you. This is going to make things better. We're going to get that stuff out of your life. You don't want to hang on to it. You get rid of that, you become a very desired product. Everyone loves gold. Everyone wants, wants gold. We like it. We put it on our fingers put it around our necks we put it in different places we, uh, we want to see that gold look at Solomon and David they were obsessed with it it almost seemed like I mean we have gold shields we have so much gold we use it as wallpaper God has so much gold he paves streets with it it doesn't mean that he has so much it becomes undesirable he still desires it, even though it's all over the streets. Because <clears throat> gold is beautiful. Keep in mind, this Christmas, God is the refiner. And though you may receive some imperfect gifts when you open up those presents tomorrow, and though you may give some imperfect gifts, thank God we have a way to take care of that. But so does God. The imperfections that are in our life are not a big deal to Him. He knows how to get them out. 
your attitude towards the refiner. That speaks volumes to other people. How do other people see you respond when God refines you? Do you respond with pride? Well, I didn't really do that. Or do you respond with humility? Father God, I thank you for correcting me. I thank you for the heat that you bring into my life. I thank you for the purging that you do to get rid of those imperfections because your goal is to bring 99.99. His goal is probably 100%. I don't know if we can accomplish that down here with our limited abilities, but he surely is better. If the devil wants to come across, begin to remind you that you are an imperfect person, not worthy of God and his attention. Ignore him. Let him know God is God is very much interested in fixing me. He knew I was broken. He knew I wasn't perfect. And one of his roles is prophesied in Scripture. He is the refiner. And when he gets done with us, we'll be shiny. We'll be good. But don't think that he ever gets tired of it. Just don't ever resist him. We're going to go on with our candlelight portion here. Ask our rushers to get our candles ready. Worship team is going to come up.